Uh, right, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 4 tonight, and um, I'm going to play Sam. Sam's got a night off. If you're listening, Sam, enjoy your night off. Get one night off a year. <laughs> but, um, so we're going to look at Deuteronomy 4, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to draw the connection between these two passages. And, you know, during um, lockdown uh, the first time, uh, God really started to speak to me out of Deuteronomy 4, and I want us as a group to unpack some of this stuff tonight because this is, this is the key to life in Christ. Um, and you're going to look at some things, I'm going to pull some things out of here that will just reveal the way of heaven, uh, a warning from heaven, and why you can have a form of godliness and not real godliness. And um, basically we're going to bring those two elements together. And I'm hoping that you're going to see things of significant magnitude through the dialogue, through the questions. And hopefully we'll get some questions from you guys that we can wrestle with this together. Um, Cool? Cool. All right. (laughs) Nervous anticipation. (laughs) Better be cool. You're in trouble if it's not. So Deuteronomy 4 verse 12. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out both passages and then we'll just go to the panel and see what we've got. It says this, Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. That's really important. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord had commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess. So watch yourselves carefully. Since you did not see any form on the day, the Lord spoke to you out of horror from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. He talks about animals and different things. You know, and there's this reality where you need to hear the word of God. You need to hear because you can't see me. And if you don't hear me, you'll create your own version of me through what you look at. And I love how the first thing he talks about is male or female, human. We will create our own image of God. And yet God's wanted to create his image within us. And we're looking at being conformed into the image of God, not us being conformed into our image of God. Or asking God, no, it's, this is how it goes. And so this is this powerful thing about Jesus was talking about hearing all the time. And if we can't hear, we're in trouble. Because hearing is the way to seeing. Faith, sight, we looked at it this morning, comes through being able to hear a word out of a bush. God's not a bush. This word comes out of the invisible. But no, it's a seen and known reality that God operates from. So I just want to go to 2 Timothy and uh, read you some things out of here. Then we're going to go back to Deuteronomy. So 2 Timothy 3. I love this. Difficult times will come. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, 
boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. There's another warning. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses. I love this. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth that makes you free. So you're always learning. But actually the way in which you're learning isn't empowering you to live a life. Because actually you only have a form of something. And so I want to unpack tonight. So let's go back to Deuteronomy. I'm going to start here and we might flip-flop and pull out some other scriptures as well. And we'll just start with verse 12 and go to the panel. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. Chris Logan. <laughs> Thoughts? Well, oh, this is quite loud. Um, only a voice. Only a voice. When you hear about John, when he speaks later on about my sheep will know my voice, there is a... There is a a knowing of his voice and uh, to, for us to come into and to know him. Because when days get darker, you know, there will be times when we will try and fill that void. You know, we will try and fill what's empty inside us. I just think of the, um, the Israelites when they, um, Moses went up to the mountain. They, they, they passed through the Red Sea. Everything was going well. And then suddenly they were left alone. And, uh, you know, Moses was up on that mountain for 40 days, and they didn't know what to do. So what voice do you listen to? And suddenly they encourage each other. We've got to, we've got to worship something. We've got to, you know, what are we looking for? And yet they'd never seen an idol, or they'd never seen God in any form or shape. And then suddenly they've got to fill this void, this emptiness that's inside them. And that's exactly what man does. And, and we're no different. If we don't really know his voice, we will fill him with anything else that takes the place. So that was a real warning to me when I was listening to it. What is the voice that you're listening to? Because they listen to the voices of each other. And in some ways, when we were in lockdown, what did you listen to? Suddenly you're alone. Suddenly you're not, we haven't got somebody preaching from a pulpit there. You're, you're alone. What voice did you listen to? It's quite challenging. Mm. Go. Yeah, this thing about the voice really stood out to me too. Um, I guess in the sense that things that are alive have voices. So what God's saying here is, I'm alive, you know I'm alive, because you heard my voice that day. So whatever you do now, you didn't see me, but you know I'm alive and you heard my voice. So whatever you do, 
don't then create a thing that you can see which is dead <laughs> and that you can't hear out of this place of discomfort. One of the things that really struck me about the um, story you were telling, Chris, about Moses goes away um, up the mountain for 40 days, they don't know what to do, so they build this, they do exactly this, they build this golden calf. And he just showed me that, so they listen to themselves and they, they build this dead graven image. I'll just have to find the scripture for you. Um, at the same time, Moses is up the mountain with the Lord who's declaring his relational intention for his people. So he's saying, look, I'm going to find you the words because they're quite beautiful. Exodus, this is Exodus 25, 8. So they're in this frenzy trying to build this dead thing that they can see for their comfort. And the Lord says it grieved me actually. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to that all that I'm going to show you is the pattern, the tabernacle, and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. So they're panicking down here, building this dead thing, while he's saying to Moses, my intention is to dwell among them, and I'm going to give you this pattern to build this thing for me to live in. It's not the fullness yet, because Christ hasn't come. What's the, some of the, the key in that passage? Like, I'm go, I am going to give you. Anyone want to jump on that? You know, you're not going to work it out yourself. You don't have to go, I'm going to give you a pattern. Yeah. It's again God building the kingdom, not us. Yeah. I just think the whole thing's beautiful. I mean, it, the whole heart of man is revealed right the way through it, even what you're saying there. I, I absolutely love Aaron's response when he's caught out. Oh, just chuck the gold in, and that popped out, you know, as blaming everybody else but him. And, you know, and it's like, now the heart of man's revealed. And while, you know, Moses is up the mountain, do you think God's, like, busy? Oh, hang on a minute, what are they up to? Like, his heart's right there for them all the time. Even with Moses as the forerunner of the Christ, knowing that God says, go down, and I'll wipe them out, knowing... Moses is the one who's going to intercede for the people because he knows, that he knows the heart for them. He knows what the state of man. Who intercedes for us before God? Moses is the forerunner of Christ. I'll do this for them. They're covered. And God's doing a work. And it just the one thing, as I read through this all the time, it kept just speaking to me. It's a matter of the heart. These guys were looking for something because their heart hadn't really received yet what God was doing for them. And uh, even at the start of that, you know, he says, hear, O Israel. So he's talking to the, the spiritual Israel, to he- those who hear. And he says, you know what happened at a place called Baal Peor. And I was looking at that today. It means it's Lord of the Gap. They had a gap, and they were wanting to fill it with something and not actually able to receive what God was going to give them. Here's how, because he goes on there and he says, has anyone seen anything like this? That a God would step in for you? Well, he was stepping in for them, does he does for us. And they couldn't see it. So it's a matter of the heart to receive. Keywords for me, uh, in that verse 12, it was a number of them, you know, but form. You saw no form and a form of godliness and the connection between um, not being able to hear creates a form 
that's not him, but it's painted up as him. That's the problem, you know? And so he speaks because it's like the challenge is, is that can you hear a God who speaks from a bush when you're expecting a God to speak out of a royal oak tree? And so often when we're led by the flesh, the natural, you're never looking for where he is because you're looking up. He's not in that. He's not in a burning bush. He's not in a manger. He's in a temple. He's somewhere else. He, the, the word doesn't come to a guy wearing funny clothing and eating, eating funny food. It would come to the one dressed who sounds the most persuasive, who sounds the best, who looks the best. That's where it all comes to. But biblically, it's not really the pattern. God's wisdom isn't the world's. And he takes what isn't, it makes it is. And he confuses us because we're looking for this thing that's where he's not. And so it's like, you can't see me. So you've got to hear me. And when you hear me, then you'll see me. But until that point, you're probably going to make for yourself a form of me in your image. And you'll worship that form. And so that'll keep you. I love how in Timothy, the first part of that is in the last days, which were 2,000 years ago, they started. So we're in the last of the uh, last days. The first thing it says is men will be lovers of self. So what goes into the self no longer being within us is hearing a word that creates sight, that you leave self, you lose self because what you're looking at, so you're no longer a lover of you. What's going to do that? It's going to be a word that you hear, that then you see, that enables you to grab hold and lay hold of that rather than hold on to you. And that's how self truly dies. You know, we try to die to self. We hear that all the time. I've got to die to self. No, you don't. You need greater revelation and self will just die. You don't focus on the negative. You focus on Christ and you'll find yourself just being drawn. But if you're not able to hear in the spirit, man, we're talking about spiritual hearing, then you'll create a God in your own image. And you'll have a form of godliness and it can look like tonight can look like taking notes, it can look like playing music, it can look like speaking on a panel, it can be a form, but it doesn't have any life in it. But you don't know that, because you're only in a form or something, because he says, hey, you can't see me. You know, it's like when Paul's on the road, and he's blinded, but he hears a voice. So he's physically, his eyes open, but he's blinded but he can hear this voice that he's communicating with. And this is where it sort of starts in this aspect of the spirit, you know, where faith is birthed. So, you know, and words like, I think it says sound of words. You heard, you heard the sound of words. So once again, there's a sound, there's a frequency of the spirit, you know. Don't just read the words and and just leave it in literally what's saying. There's this thing sitting behind here, and that's why it's important we know the whole purpose and other scriptures, because the more scriptures you know, living scriptures, all of a sudden, that's a piece. Then out of Timothy comes another piece. Then out of John comes another piece. And all of a sudden, this picture is starting to be formed here. 
the eyes of your heart start to see. And this is the challenge, see, because ultimately every message, every preaching, every declaration should come from seeing already. So it's like me describing the picture on the TV. Okay, I'm not plucking something out of thin air. I'm describing two hands, clay, and what you guys need to hear is the word that I'm describing. So the image I'm describing is the image you're receiving. You're not trying to understand me in your mind and then create a false image of what I'm describing. Does that make Can you hear what I'm saying? So what we're speaking comes from already a revealed place. So when God speaks, he's speaking from revelation, isn't he? He knows exactly what he's speaking into. He's not making it up. So everything he's speaking is hitting his mark. So our challenge is hearing. So then the sight of what he's saying comes. So what you're looking at, he's looking at. And so vision is the ability to see what he talks about. Yeah, And so basically, you have a vision to see his version of what he's saying, because it's in a concealed realm. And this is why we don't try to understand things in the mind first. You've got to catch it in your spirit, because it's a spirit that renews the mind, because otherwise you'll have have a funny picture. This is what you said? No, that's not it. And you'll have forms of pictures, but none of them are actually the picture that God was describing. I mean, it's crazy because if you form that picture in your mind that you just described, then we all leave here and we're potters. We weren't talking anything about pottery, and yet that's what the mind will perceive, and that's what we'll understand. But yeah, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, no, no eye has seen, no ear has, quoting out of Isaiah, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. So pretty much it's that's the end of that can't see, can't hear, can't enter into your mind. And uh, just before I finish this little bit, you know, the scripture says that you know, God is spirit, and where the spirit is, there's freedom. So he's telling us this is, it's a spiritual reality, and here's, here's why God's doing it this way, because as soon as we construct, because even in the song, you know, it's your breath. We just dwell on that for a minute. His, his Adam created just a being on the ground. But without the breath of God breathed in to give life, we can lose sight of that and go, well, it's just normal. We all breathe. Without God going, we're just clay on the ground. So it's a spirit reality that he's bringing to, these, um, to the Israelites. And, and think of the true Israel, those who are um, born of the spirit, that are, are alive by the spirit, to hear what he's saying and about to see because there was no form for them. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. And the, you know, this, this learning, you know, yoke yourself to me and learn from me how to hear how when I speak. Don't race off now. Go and try and do something. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart and to bring revelation to the heart, bypassing what we're trying to figure out in our mind and now receive what he's telling us in the heart because there were those who, who heard the voice and said, no, that was thunder, completely didn't hear what was being said. 
but it's revealed, received in the heart. And Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A wise man, woman, will hear and increase in learning. And it's interesting that because it's all finished, yeah? So before it began, it was all finished. So God is working towards an already predestined finished work. So when Jesus turned up, he said, it's finished before you went to the cross. And so God is the one who speaks. We are the ones who hear. And I think we said before, there's just so many voices speaking that want to define everything. Well, we live in a world today where man is defining truth, aren't we? You know, are you a male or female? Well, who knows? You'll figure it out depending on how you feel one day. And you might flip-flop around for a while and you'll finally figure out what you're identity. You know, it's just getting ridiculous how far away we are from what actually we know is true. And inherently everyone knows truth, but we're trying to define truth. So God is the one who starts by speaking right from the start. So he's speaking. Our role is to be able to hear him. And through hearing him, then we actually, because we've got no idea what truth is. We've got zero concept because, as Paul said, our minds can't. We, we are out of alignment to truth. Your thoughts are not mine. You know, you're, you're lost. And so let me, this is how it works. I'm going to speak. And I'm constantly going to speak. And I'm going to declare my word. And so your role is to be able to hear because you can't see me because no one's seen the face of God and lived. So this, this hearing is such a key to life in Christ within you and through you. you know? And it's, as we said, it's not a hearing of the natural. It's a hearing of the reality that we're declaring tonight. You know, so it's being able to hear what's not being said, but being said. It says in John here, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It's very, very powerful. I don't realize how dead we really are unless we hear him, his voice. But when we think we're alive and we don't have him, we're actually dead, but God is sending out a sound in the earth for us to hear his voice. Is our hearts in tune with it? But when we hear, we will come alive. And that's the main thing. Um, I just wondered if you would unpack a bit what hearing him looks like. Um, just because I know from hearing him looks like, yeah, sounds like. Well, because for me, often hearing him is a picture or an indecipherable hearing, so it's more of a revelation than words, and then sometimes it's really clear words. But I know I've just journeying with a couple of people who've really struggled with being, you know, like hearing, so they're waiting for the audible voice. So I just thought you guys maybe might share how yep. hearing looks. It's <laughs> a great question. Anyone want to start before I? You can't pin God down. So can't say, well, it looks like this. Because for that person, it might look like that. And how God speaks to Greg might would be different to how he speaks to me. But what I do know when I hear him, that penetrates my heart and reveals in me, not just informationally, but in, in me, I know when that is happening. 
Sometimes it is a word. Not that often it is pictures or images. But I know that the, that the hearing of what he's saying, the receiving of what he's saying, the revealing of what he's saying brings a change within me. Something that I've seen more clearly quite recently is there's this um, receiving posture. So there's when God talks to us individually through pictures and things like that. But there's this other thing when he's declaring his word through somebody else. It's like, remember you saying to me once last year that when, when you're speaking, you feel like the declaration is going almost into the heavenlies? And I think that started me seeing that sometimes the seeds going out, we actually don't know anything's happening. So we don't discern anything. But if our hearts are open, that seed goes in there. And then over time, things happen, which are the fruit of that seed being received. And sometimes I can track that back to, and then a picture comes, or then something else comes. But actually, the origin is his word spoken or spoken. Does that yeah, help? Sometimes for me it's, it's uh, an impression or, or something that just lay, is laid on my heart. It may not be an audible word, but it's something that you just know there's something there. And um, like this morning, God laid somebody on my heart, and I didn't say anything, but God had laid the same person on Sandra's heart, so it was able to, able to speak about it, you know, and, um, and then do something. But sometimes it's just a slight impression. Sometimes I have heard very audible words um, that God has spoken to me. But most of the time it's when, a, when there's something in here that just jumps out on the page and just really goes, oh, in you. And that's when I know that he's actually getting a hold of me. He's actually wanting me to dwell in that part and just actually see what he's saying. I wonder, it feels to me like though sometimes we can't, we can't even discern it with our spiritual senses yet. So there's the things we can, but I think sometimes the word is going out and it's been received so deep in our spirit that we can't even tell at the time. So th- what I'm saying is don't always look for that, just be open and his word will do what it says it does and over time it will unfold itself don't worry too much about confirming it yeah. or getting any... <laughs> Sometimes even our spiritual senses aren't yet refined enough, if I'm talking about me, to know what's happening. And I think, um, I think it's important to know that there's, there's two aspects. So there's the hearing of the word, which is the eternal word, and then there's the hearing of what I would say his voice, which can also be pictures... And they're very different things. So, and they're both eternal if they're coming from him. So, you know, God speaks and says, hey, Jackie, uh, I want you to take that job. And you clearly hear the voice of God tell you that you want to take a job. That doesn't mean you're altered on the inside. But that is one side of the coin of hearing his voice, whether that be audible, whether that be in your spirit, and he's telling you, instructing you, you know, to take the job or to do whatever you want. So that's yes. Then there's what these guys are also talking about is hearing the mana from above, which is food, which is receiving in your spirit, which changes you on the inside. And you can receive that 
like Joe's saying, it gets to positive and, and, it, and it also can be where it's to positive and it hits its mark and life is birth. Now, you don't know what that is because the mind hasn't been renewed to what that substance is that you just tasted. Okay, so taste and see the Lord is good. And so your spirit, because it's a spiritual word, and your spirit hears it because the heart is fertile, okay, and it's ready to receive the spiritual seed of its kind. And then as an impact, that's like something just happened. And I've got a substance in me that I didn't have in me before. Okay? Now, in a moment, the mind can be renewed to that, and you then can describe that straight away what it was. Because it's come from a concealed realm. It's come from a hidden realm. It's in a spirit. Okay? Or you don't know what it was, but you receive the impact of it. I'm able now to live in accordance to something that I don't fully know what it was, but I know it was his word. So Holy Spirit, can you renew my mind to what it is I just ate so then I can start sharing it with people? Okay, so the parable of the sower is the classic for this sort of stuff. You know, one doesn't hear it. Says the enemy comes down, mix it, or even has a chance. Okay, one hears it, receives it, but there's no firm root. You know, so the key in all this is the last segment says it hears and understands. Okay, so I hear it, I actually get my mind renewed to it. Now I can see it, so now it produces fruit within me. 30, 60, 100-fold to what was sown. But the other three get nothing. Why? Well, two only heard but never understood. One never heard at all, which is part of what Joe was saying. It's just going out. But for whatever reason, our hearts can still be hard. So when he came to the disciples, he said, do you still not get any insight, sight from within? Nah, your name's... <laughs> Do you not get any insight from the miracle I did? What's he talking about? You, you, you created no, no. What was what was the purpose for why I did the miracle? See, and he says, "Are your hearts still hardened?" He's talking to his disciples. Yes, they were. So a hardened heart can't receive the spiritual seed, bounces off because it's not conditioned. To receive it. See the importance. So there's the, you know, um, Peter, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> so he hears that, but then he doesn't do the instruction, does he? Because he then gets in his face. You know? So there's a word then that you need to receive that then enables at the same time the right behavior and alignment to that seed, okay? So yeah, God will speak in pictures, imagery, uh, colors, uh, just words, you know, that's one aspect. That's, I call that, that's the tails. The heads is hearing the eternal food, the eternal drink, what we're talking about now. That's what will change you. The other doesn't change you, okay? So one is for doing, <coughs> and the other one is for being and becoming. So the word that you hear for function is the doing. There's a word for becoming, forming, like Christ. Two different realities, but of the same kind. Okay, so the two become one. And we are to operate in both. 
but one is actually more powerful than the other. One forms the characteristic, the nature of Christ. The other one just gets you doing stuff. Although in the heads and tails nature, sometimes that function one is part of what he uses to soften our hearts, for example, by drawing us into him so that we can hear of the other. Um, with the so if you when you're talking about the function, so because I know for me I feel like God's given me pictures of things that have shown me what He's been unpacking through the Word. Does that make sense? So there'll be something that I've been you know reading about, meditating on for for quite a while, and then it's kind of like God uses a picture as the boom moment, of, and then I I'm like ah oh, I see it. So it's not a function. It's does that make sense? Confirming something he's showing you through this, um, which actually is the correct way of the spirit. Like this becomes the confirming or the confirmation of what the spirit is showing you, which makes it a little bit scary. <laughs> it's, it sounds to me like that's the moment where the thing that has been, the seed that's been sown somehow has become revealed in you, is what I think you're describing. That's the moment when you're like, I now see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believed and now I see. Yeah. Peter's a great example, like you're saying, you know, that he says, um, you know, who do you say I am? He says, well, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus tells him, well, that hasn't been revealed to you by man. That's been revealed to you by our Father, by God. So Peter had received something from God whether Peter actually realised that or not, another story, but he actually had received something, but the brain was still catching up with the spirit because immediately he drops into function mode because of what he understood Messiah meant. Out with the sword because we're going to conquer the Romans. Come on, let's get this show on the road. Because that was his, his image he had already portrayed and built God in his own image, how this was going to look. And there was something that needed to go further, even to the point where now Jesus sets Peter up and says, tell you what, bring a sword. And now I have to, leave you to the, lead you to the garden where you're going to be revealed in you that it is quite a different picture to the one you've got in your head and you're not able to stay true to the depth of the work that you say is done but isn't. And what's the key that's going to need to take place in all of this is a heart of humility to receive and allow that work now to be formed. And part of that is that, you know, it's the dwelling and the, you know, in humility waiting, not, not going to fill the gap. You know, there's a gap there. I've heard some information. I've heard something from you. I know it's from you, God. It's going to look like this. I'll fill the gap. And, uh, you know, I just recently, and I was sharing with Greg the other day, I've been dwelling and just, the words began through my, my spirit is, you know, um, a, a living word and living water. Lord, just reveal to me more and more. And for a week or more, weeks or just, and then on the tail end, this end of the Silver Stream Bridge, driving the car and Holy Spirit. I don't know if he knows what it's like to drive a car when the spirit hits you, but man, <laughs> it is, boom. And it's like, oh. Tears, Lord, I'm driving. I'm driving a car right now, 
And it's just, you know, and it's something that the, the word, the, the richness of the word that he'd given me, now equated with the richness of work that he's actually revealed to me and in me, that's forming a life in me. Does that happen all the time? I've grown to know that when I have a question, when he's spoken something to me, I can wait on the Holy Spirit to reveal. I just had this really corny thought when you said that. <laughs> Kerry Underwood came into mind, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to, Tom. I have caught myself way back when I first came to the Lord and was full of it. <laughs> Seeing it away and realised, actually, I'm driving. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. Um, God can also speak through donkeys. Hey, what are you so saying? Most <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's the most unusual ways, but he can speak through other people to you, yeah. and it can just really hit you right there. Yeah. And it's spoken by somebody that doesn't even know your situation, or, or you know, sometimes they're not even Christians, but they've spoken something that's quite prophetic, and it's hidden, hit you right in here. Yeah. So God can use all sorts of methods. Oh, oh yeah. if it's actually question time yet but um, I think it is <laughs> yeah you kicked it off <laughs> so <laughs> your paddle classic um, <laughs> so I guess my my question around some of this is um So, okay, so for, for example, there's four of you on a panel and, you know, you're mature believers in Christ, but you may have heard something from the Holy Spirit that actually doesn't match up with what the other people sitting next to you are hearing. And, um, I mean, one of the, the parts to this question, which probably makes me feel a bit sad, is um, that I feel like often people won't stay in the conversation. And so there will be a difference of opinion about what people hear. So much so, almost for them, a fundamental that causes them to walk away from each other. And so my question is... How do you actually walk together while you are potentially hearing something different from the Holy Spirit that you believe is the Holy Spirit? Can I? I I know a, a very, for me, a very real example of that very scenario on the eldership. And I held what I believed to be a fundamental truth. Now, whether it's actually uh, um, was was like 100% right, it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of righteousness. And the the true uh, posture is then shown out whether there's a humility to actually walk together and to be able to say, well, this is what I understand. And this is what I have seen or believe that the Lord's shown me, 
what do you hear? Because Philippians says that if any of you believe different, God himself will reveal that. He doesn't need my right hand <laughs> to, to get everybody to believe his truth. You know, and so there's that sense, is there a true posture of oneness and humility to actually walk together to allow the Holy Spirit actually to reveal what is his truth? And that requires a measure of hearing to be able to live that out, which then becomes the evidence of true hearing. Okay? So true hearing produces Christ's life. Christ's life in you enables you to walk like Christ. And that's the challenge. And that's how one of the ways you know the difference between actually who's in and able to demonstrate compared to who just talks but can't demonstrate. So to walk away from a brother or sister or a group of people outside of, and you wouldn't walk away for this reason, so you don't walk away because you don't get on. Okay? You'd only walk away for the purposes of God going, actually, I'm sending you now to here. So outside of that, the walking away is evidence of something. Because love never walks away. Love walks too. And it's crucified for love. So love has the capacity to love on people. So there's evidence that you can have a look at and test. Test the fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, not their works, the substance of Christ within them, which is all, con- the context is hearing. It's the parable of the sower again. So the sower goes out, okay, and the fruit's produced. Well, the fruit is being produced, you can pick the fruit. So you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah, so that's, you need to be able to hear to be able to walk this out, which is the evidence of actually true hearing the truth that makes you free. Yeah, and it's... There is a process piece here too, eh? So this is... Which I think is what you're asking, where there is those times when I think we're all probably confronted by, is it... You know, is it more important that I'm right about this or get to be heard about this? Or is it more important... Is my agreement actually in Christ? Because if my agreement and belonging is in Christ then that stuff comes under his feet. So that's my experience, is that it's the... Um, <laughs> it's okay to have those feelings and those inner wrestles, because that's actually part of how he works stuff out in us, is in the relational piece. Love is the main key. Love is the... Love covers. And um, when you think of Jesus and how he loved his disciples, now they had a lot of different ideas that weren't in conformity of what Jesus was thinking. And, and so, you know, it was, it was our love. His love covered them. But Jesus didn't walk away from his disciples because they had a difference of opinion, but he loved them. And they came into an understanding as they walked in that journey, and particularly when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, they understood what he was saying. But there was that disagreement because their minds hadn't been renewed yet. So, but love is the key, yeah. And it's the greater or the more mature that can come to the less is the other thing I'd say. So love comes after, and I don't mean chases people and says they can't leave the church. But. 
I mean, it's clear, eh? There's a way that seems right to a man. That's all our starting point. I'm right, you think you're right, she thinks she's right, he thinks he's right. Well, we can't all be right. Because <laughs> those opinions are very different. And there's only one truth. And so the, this, this tests the reality of the truth you're actually in compared to what you Try. think you're in. Try. Because the true posture will be able to live the live truth out. out yeah? and, and so the truth causes spirit-led humility. And spirit-led humility is patient, kind, gentle, holds no wrongs, is not selfish, it bears all things. So that's what you'd be looking for. And that's what you want to be looking for, who you'd actually be listening to, rather than anyone and everyone. Because actually it's like, no, I want to see the manifestation of a hearing of a word that enables a behavior that's Christ-like. Because we all start thinking we've got something, but you only get it through revelation. But there's a massive tension with what you're saying because that's where flesh and spirit come up. And, and yet it's actually where, I, I love the fact of, of this, is that where you find oneness, you find division. It's just which way do you go, left or right? So God brings us to T intersections all the time. And he goes, left is oneness, right is division. Which way are you going to go? Well, I think I'm right. Well, I think I'm right. Well, we think we're right. Well, we all think we're right. And so then it becomes, like Paul's saying, a, a tension of can you lay down and walk with a brother or a sister or a group of people to allow God to, dis- to show us what's him? And if we can, then we'll all be one. Now, history tells me it's a real problem. <laughs> Because, you know, it's like, and scriptures tell me it's a problem. You're of Peter. You're of Paul. You're of Christ. You're of Martha. Why? When we're all supposed to be of Christ. Because what you're, what you're bringing up is a real issue. Like today, like it was then, and will continue to be until this genuine work of the Spirit starts to take us and enables the behavior of Christ likeness rather than your flesh behavior that I'm going to prove I'm right no matter what and I break up the body over being right rather than living and oneness being the goal so it's also defined by if I understand the purpose of God as the conforming of the entire body to be one Mm. not be right then I'm seeing something far greater so Okay, let's agree to disagree, but let's walk together in love. And guess what? You might be wrong, I might be right, I might be wrong, he might be right. We both might be wrong. God will be right. (laughs) But God will be right. And as we do this in love, God will show us. Then we've got a bond that cannot be broken. Why? Because it wasn't your opinion, my opinion, it wasn't your study, it wasn't my study, it was him revealing. You break that, you can't. Right. So we need to be able to hear the word, yeah? Because 
all speaking should come from revelation. So revelation opens up spiritual realm. See, see the word. I speak a revealed word which creates a oneness. Okay? Because I'm, what I'm seeing, I'm speaking. If we don't see, don't speak. Because then I'm giving my opinion. And nobody needs Greg's opinion. Greg doesn't even need Greg's opinion. Everyone needs God's word, God's thought, God's opinion. Why? Because that's the only thing that's going to build us. My thought about it's not going to build you. you know, so I'm not trying to do the wrong thing. But this is why God puts safeguards in place. Because he says, don't speak anything. Paul said, I will not speak of anything that has not been revealed. Why? One, so I don't speak out of alignment, representing my father. Two, I know the church needs the word of God, not Paul's version of the word of God. So it's, there's multiple reasons why God puts these things in place. But see, if we fight God's pattern, what's well, a way that seems right to me? I know how the church is built. Let me tell you how it's, yeah, see? And so you build a form of godliness. Yeah. I deny the power. You know, and that, that's it's quite amazing, that, um, that scripture about there's a form of godliness. It says that it's very similar, very similar to what the truth is. And if you go on and read that, it talks about the, the magicians in, in Egypt, but they cannot, they cannot replicate what is happening in the spirit, which is in the man. You know, and ultimately, like you're saying, love will demonstrate the truth of God actually being lived out and allowing the truth of a word that's being spoken that is actually demonstrated in a life. And when those things align, not just the information about the truth, but the actual power of a life living in that truth, that that's insurmountable. Just one more thing on that before we move on. I think one of those key planks of sight is how we see each other. So that piece about if we see each other as other beloved children of the living God and we understand that we're fundamentally compatible in Christ, so we might not agree about everything, but we are fundamentally of the same kind as each other and of him, then it diffuses all of that because actually we're of his kind, all of us. So what just Joe said doesn't come because you're supposed to do it. If, if you're doing it because you're... If, I'm, if I do it because I'm supposed to see, well, then I'm not hearing. I'm not in the Word because I'm trying. I'm trying to see. Oh, but, but my flesh won't handle it. When, when her flesh comes at me, I'm going to manifest all over. I don't have the substance in me to be able to do what she says and see her as Christ sees her. See, so this is the thing. So this is what we we just have to be honest and recognize and then acknowledge and then turn because the truth will make you free. And it is a process and it's a growing process, but you will be able to live it out. You know, you will be able to. Yeah, I see. I see uh, Joe as Christ sees Joe. So then I can love on rather than having to try and muster up love in a moment and control my flesh you know my flesh comes under self-control it's a fruit of the spirit so myself comes under the control 
of the Spirit. So then the Spirit comes out of me. Oh, I feel like all my questions have been answered. Like, <laughs> they last, like I had my hand up for ages and I was like, oh, actually, no, nah, they're just slowly answering it. God is good like that, eh? No, I was just thinking about the, the, the two earlier questions from these ladies over here. and it, uh, Fantastic, because um, what I was thinking about today was something that uh, Greg was saying earlier on the panel and the rest of them, um, and they were, they were playing with this idea that... Oh, this was you, Greg, actually. You said, as it is, as it is written, um, as it is written. And it's like, that's exactly what Jesus said to Satan in the, in the desert, and that Jesus had the full revelation of God and, and his word, and even though the devil came with a similar word, and, it, and, it's, and it's actually scripture quoted to Jesus, but it's taken out of context. So Jesus, or God the Father, the Holy Spirit, will never contradict, contradict his own word. So that was kind of my question, is whenever Jesus says something to us, whether through pictures or through words or whatever it is, um, for, he can speak any, there's, there's no limit to how he can speak to us. It's just that he will, this is, this is the question, does he contradict his, does he contradict his own word and his own revelation his own reality which is already like fully existent it's just that we haven't walked into it so that's my question like does he ever contradict what he what it, what is already written and what is already there for the taking we just haven't entered into it and then I think that kind of answers like I love because I had the same questions that these two ladies had I just didn't know how to fr- frame it right but they they just did it so well but then it's like if we don't come into a revelation um, then yeah we we miss it like we miss the boat and we're just going around in the desert over and over again and we just miss it. So, I don't know, just if you could talk to that, yeah, that whole idea of Jesus not contradicting his word. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. I mean, there are two things. One, and that God does not change and that God cannot lie and that his word is truth. And, you know, we said earlier on that, you know, God is spirit and so it's a spiritual truth that it takes the spirit of God to reveal it. So the, the spirit doesn't lie to himself house divided against itself cannot stand so he is the source of truth because he is truth so it takes truth to reveal truth in me and for me to receive truth has to come from the father of truth not the father of lies so even the father of lies might come as an angel of light and speak the word of of God in this case accurately in Eve's case inaccurately he now sows doubt and warps the word of God. But the truth who knows the word of God, because he is the word of God, is not derailed by him. And so when ultimately love is manifested as truth, it's not derailed by someone that's trying to throw something to derail it, even though it's the same words, it's not truth. And I think the other reality we have to be aware of is um, he will never contradict himself doesn't mean everything he says to you, you can find in here. Because this is, this is a, a snapshot, this is a picture, you know, so he might tell you to do something, you're like, oh, where does it say that? And you're like, no, I'm speaking to you directly, it's not, you won't find it here. You know, it says there were more miracles than are written down, you know, so he's bigger than a book, okay, so... He will never contradict what is written. And what's written is in the eternal, okay? But that's bigger than what's being captured here. But this is an amazing food source that we enter into, 
Okay. So uh, this whole thing, this written thing is really, really important. And I think we haven't grasped it as a whole of the church, that there is a predestined, already written reality. And this is part of Jackie's question around the difference between hearing uh, the voice of God for doing and hearing a word which is anchored in a written realm that forms Christ within you. Okay, so it's like there's two aspects of this written. It, it's already written. Cool, you know. It is written. Did you not know that this had to happen, Peter? Because Isaiah talked about it years before. So it's already written because before it all began, the story was finished. Okay, This is why you need faith. And this is why he said you have no faith because you have no faith in what's already written. You're sort of making it up as you go along. This is not made up. This is, I'm living, like, I'm in an ordered, detailed story, and I came at a very specific time as to what was written. So this, what's happening right now in the garden, is not just out of the blue. This has been pre-established in the heavens before it ever began. So, Peter, why are you trying to stop what is already written? Ah, because you don't know what's written. Are you tracking with me? So you have no faith in what already is established that's going on right now. That's why you're living opposite to what's happening. Hang on. Are we sort of looking at me like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Is it, do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? It's like, so, so if you don't know what's in the unseen realm, then you're going to live outside of what's written. Okay? So what's the role of the Holy Spirit? To write on your heart what's written. With what? Ink? No, with his power. So how does this living word that's contained in a written realm that's concealed get in me? Through the Holy Spirit writing what is already written, he writes what's written on my heart, which is what? The place of understanding. Guard your heart. Why? Because it's a wellspring of life. And trust your heart to people? No, to me. Because I'm going to write, literally, in lockdown, God showed me, this is... Through this guy said something in an elders meeting. It was just three words what he said. And the Holy Spirit took it and went smash. And I saw how it happens. Like I saw how you get the written word on your heart. It's done by the Holy Spirit. He literally, God showed me him literally tattooing, engraving it with a knife on my heart. This is how the glory gets in you. How did the glory, glory was on. We're going to look at, well, we might not get to there, but... The, <laughs> The next verse, it talks about the great commandments. What were the commandments full of? What did they have on them? Glory. Okay, so the commandments had glory. Who put the commandments on the stone? God. With what? Ink? What does ink represent? Man. Man Man-made, natural. He put it on there with his finger power. He engraved it. He wrote on two tablets of stone. Now this guy comes down the mountain called Moses holding two tablets. What's happening to Moses? Glowing with, but it's a fading glory. Why? Because it's on two tablets of stone. But for the right time it was right, wasn't it? 
on two tablets of stone. He puts the glory, puts the stones down. He starts the glory starts to fade. Why? Because it's on the stone. It's not where in Him. Right. We're under a new covenant now. So where's the glory that's on the commandments supposed to be? In our hearts. So if you love God with all your hearts and the glory is on the commandment, what do you think you're full of? Glory. So now I'm starting to write my word on your heart. So Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then how does an earth see the glory of God? Through the church. Not through signs and wonders. Through the church. The glory of God comes through the church because the glory is written because the word is written on my heart, renewing my mind so I can live. That's where we're to live from. You know, you've, you've been talking about it a little bit, just um, teasing it out a little bit for us, but where, where did Mosey... Mosey. Where did, <laughs> we're, good, we're good mates. They're on personal terms, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Mosey. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> I'll separate myself over here for a minute. <laughs> I've seen a few of the things you can do. <laughs> Anyway, for those who got here, that's true Hebrew way of saying it. <laughs> but, you know, when Mo, where did Moses get this? Where was he when he got this? Has directly in the presence of God. You know, this has really been hitting me, man. Where, where would they go to? One guy, once a year, where would he go to? He'd go behind the veil. He had to go through deep preparation to get there and have a rope tied around him. Gaxy <laughs> got it wrong. And he's taken behind the veil. What was it that Moses had? He had this direct presence with God, but God reflected on him. And the veil was so that they would not see the presence and the glory of the Lord fading from him. It's not this glory is not to be seen to fade. God doesn't fade. But I have to hide this from you that you won't see this fade. And so now he's given us something that is much greater. It says here, it says, you know, nothing like this has happened before. When you read in in, um, Deuteronomy 4. And now then you read in the New Testament, it says, it hasn't entered into your mind what this is. The hope of glory, the Messiahship, Christ, the anointing of God, the Spirit of God in you. And now you, as the priestly order of Melchizedek, where are we to be? We're not to go in and out like the priest did once a year, in and out, and have a glory fade. But we live from a place that is behind the veil, because the veil has been torn. It was Christ himself torn. And open the presence of God that we're able to come in and live from it, in it, continually. I just want to pick up on something Ollie just said around lordship because that's a massive key to hearing. So you've got to settle a deal that the way to what was just articulated is through hearing. Okay? It's not through studying Hebrew, Greek, history, it's not through us trying through the mind to come into the knowledge of what's in there. And the lordship issue is massive, because if you don't come under that lordship, you don't place yourself, are you educated under man or Messiah? 
Okay? It's a lordship issue. Worship is a lordship issue. It's not singing song. It's a lordship issue. Will you, you're born outside of my lordship, and I invite you to come back under my lordship, because that was the place you were created to be. Okay? The problem is we've got this thing called sin on us now, and we go, yeah, I don't know that's a good deal. I really don't know that's what I want, because it sounds like there's a whole lot of loss involved, and it sounds like I've got to give up. And I quite like not giving up, you know. So, you know, go lose your life to find your life. So his lordship, his way is hearing by the Spirit, me showing you, not you learning through intellectualism, okay? Not human learning. That's not in this kingdom. So will you come under my lordship and will you believe that? Or are you going to continue to try to bring yourself into life? See, because this, what just got described, well, every, you can't get in life without coming under the Lordship of Christ. But you can say, well, thanks for the prayer. Thanks, I'll take that. I'm, I'm not going to go to hell. But I ain't coming under your Lordship. So thank you for saving me, but you ain't going to be my Lord. And the life, really, the life abundantly is under Lordship because Lordships contain the pattern. Of the building. I've given you a pattern to build a tent. And within it, put all the priestly things that are going to be needed. Then I'm going to give you a pattern to build a temple. And I'm going to give you all the things that you put in the temple. Then I'm going to take it up a notch. And now the temple is people. And so there's a pattern the way I build people. So do you think if there's a pattern to build a tent? And a temple, which are physical, he's going to give you a pattern to follow in which he builds people. God's more concerned with people than he was a temple and a tent. And so if there's a pattern order of pattern, 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 and we're outside of the pattern because we're outside of lordship, then you're going to get your version of your life. You'll have a form of godliness because you keep rejecting or denying the power that births godliness. See? And the thing is, it's the same word. Godliness, former godliness. But Timothy says godliness is for this life and the life to come. But a former godliness is nothing. It's just puffed up in vain. Running around doing a whole lot of stuff, but you're outside of true spiritual life because you're not under lordship. Which is back to your question, Melissa, around about hearing. Well, who's right? Well, you write, you write, she write, they write, I don't know, whoever's on the TV write. Well, have a look at who's living and who's able to demonstrate this life, and that'll be a really good indicator. But you need discernment, and you need spiritual discernment to hear, because this is the key, because a lot of people can look right. You've got to close your eyes. And this is just a little thing, but it's just coming right now. You know that movie, The Shack? That caused, and I'm not sure what your personal opinion is on the shack, okay? I know the book, there was a lot of controversy, and this is a beautiful thing of oneness and division, isn't it? Oh, how can God be a woman? Oh my goodness! Close the book. Whatever that is, okay? But, and I know it's created a whole lot of issues with right, wrong, and I don't read it, I love it, man, I'm putting it up there, and someone else is tearing it down, and it's just like, and the world watches and goes, look at these guys. 
But this is what the Holy Spirit said to me, because I was in a discussion with someone that was really struggling with the reality of it. And I was trying to help them, and I said, Lord, give me your wisdom. And he said this, tell them to go to the movie and don't watch it. Hear, hear what's said. Tell me of that. Ask them if they hear their father through what's said, not what they're looking at. You know? And that's the challenge for us because, you know, I'm not saying God isn't in what is big because he's a big God, you know. But the challenge is you have to be able to hear whether that is a word of the Father coming out of what looks amazing or could just be man's version of it. And that's why hearing is so important because this life that was just described is based on your ability to hear before it is about seeing. Hence he says, you know, the lust of the eyes. And this flesh in us that still wants, it's still captivated by this light, glitter, glam, you know, the, the smooth, persuasive articulation thing. And you're like, and yet the one that stumbles over his words or says, Mosey, whatever he said then, you know, it's like, how can anything be of God in that? And yet, biblically, when you look, actually tends to be the people God came to, because that's what qualified you. Your inability is what qualified you, because God knew he could use that person rather than the one that's all together. Now, hear me, I'm not saying that someone who's well articulated and, you know, good looking, whatever, dresses well, wears his nice Kiwi free shirts, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm not saying that, you know. But there's a challenge because this word that's concealed in a hidden realm gets spoken from a God that you can't see but you can hear rather than see. But then that brings a sight. So, you know, there's a way in which is outside of my ability and not how clever I am, smooth I am, articulate I am, intelligent I am. All those things have to bow their knee. And it then comes about my humility. And I'm not humble. So I need to be made humble through hearing a word that pierces the, pr- the proud heart. <laughs> now I'm ready, you know. So it's, yes, you can. So, you know, I, obviously it's no coincidence that Hebrews 3 is before Hebrews 4, which is, you know, the hardened heart, and then when you allow, you know, the heart to be separated, and, you know, the word is active living in Sharpland, I sure separates bone and marrow. And um, what I heard you say earlier was, you know, we could come along tonight and we could... Um, be perceived as entering in and writing in our book or worshipping or whatever. Um, and so what I hear in that is that God is the one who really knows what's going on in our heart. And so we could be stuck in Hebrews 3 and not even know that, but then... The Holy Spirit, as you're saying, is the one that actually softens the heart to bring us to repentance, to then take us where we need to go. But unless we are willing to go there, then we can stay in that very place that you're saying and not... And I guess, to me, what you talked about earlier about 
the character of God and his patience, he will walk through us with that, even when we are unaware that pride is keeping us from entering fully into what he's asking. And so I guess in that, there is still, so even if there's people in the room tonight that thought, ooh, am I writing in my book and really <laughs> I'm not in that, I just want, I guess I just wanted to say that I love that it's actually only God that truly knows that. We can perceive that about each other and think, oh yeah, you're, not, you're just writing for the sake of writing and then we're judging each other. It's like, actually, no, God's actually the only one that truly knows our heart and he will reveal that to us. Yes. <laughs> what I will say though is you can discern the person's heart. I agree. Because yes. it will come out of them because you'll hear it again. Yes. See, so, but, but what you're doing is you're like Christ. So you're loving like Christ is loving. Yeah. You know? So this is the thing. is like, like Christ would never walk away. You never walk away. And so it's like your, your heart and you have compassion for people who are in a form of something that they're not. So you're going to pray for them. You're going to get on your knees like Paul is. I'm on my knees before heaven praying that my brother and sisters will have their eyes open to the reality that they're in. Why? So then they will come alive. So it's, there's no self-righteous judgment, but there is discernment. Why? To help, not to pull down. So you don't use it to pull it down. You use it to raise someone up. Now the challenge is, and this is where you've got to hear his voice, because... The worst thing you can do is go to someone when the Holy Spirit's not telling you to go to someone. Okay? Because he's going to send, he sent his son to a people that were blind. So he sends people your way. Okay? Why? For the purpose of helping you come out of something that you may not think you're in. Okay? So it's like, oh, go to Paul. Tell him this. Oh, but he might punch me. Yeah, well, are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? <laughs> you know? So it's risky because it's like, oh, man, this could break relationship. Well, you're in fellowship with me over him? What's more important, me and you or you and him? So it's an opportunity because if you don't go and I've sent you, then I'm in disobedience to not going. Sounds like, where am I going to go, Lord? <laughs> you know? And so there's this test for me, is a test for him. And we're back to this, I love your question, who's right, who's not? And so you've got to get wisdom on how you share this and you hope and pray beforehand. But what if he goes, oh, up your face, who do you think you are? And he's in, you know? And it does break him. relationship, <laughs> you know? This is how you get church splits. Yeah. Well, I'm not going there anymore, blah, 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 blah. Now, hear me, there are people who do that who are in the wrong. And they are using it as self-righteousness and they're trying to pull people down. Okay, but we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because God has sent, God sent apostles, prophets to the people that got killed. There's a reason why they got killed and yet God sent them to help. But they killed them because they didn't like what they brought. See? And so it's testing again. So you can't get away from, everyone's in this together. So the one that's being sent is being tested. Are you going to go? How are you going to go? You know, what happens if it doesn't go well? Can you still love and walk with her? Are you going to walk away? Because he's walking away. No, I'm not walking away from this guy ever. He may walk away from me, but we're here for the long haul because you have sight, faith, and you know what it's about. So I have compassion. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he turned up compassion, and yet they didn't really want him as their shepherd. So these tensions 
all exist no matter where it is, and yet the Holy Spirit is the best one at revealing, isn't he? So I can't reveal, but I can share with Paul of a reality that I know because I'm watching, discerning, and I want to see my brother come out of this former godliness into godliness for him. Not for me to do, but for my brother. Because I'm loving my brother as I love myself. And that's what I'd want for myself. And that's the key. Whenever you're approaching anybody, put yourself, it's you. So how would you want to be approached when it's you're approaching yourself and if you're not in that don't go well, there's opportunity yeah. when we're walking together yeah. to actually invite that yeah. and I know I have with Greg you know, to not actually wait but to say hey is there anything that you see that you perceive the worst thing you can't teach somebody something they think they already know so if you're in a posture to say hey am I blind here is there something I'm not seeing that I, I really need to? Well, I don't, didn't actually expect you to answer that question. <laughs> but <okay>. Sounded good. <laughs> but, you know, and so, so then he does. So now it puts Greg in that. I, he didn't have to you know, wait for you know, ten angels to turn up and go do it. it was, now it's very real. And will you? You know, David had that. Nathaniel sent to him, but you know, and then the the way that I would receive that is say, well, hang on, I had a form of godliness, didn't particularly like your answer, <laughs> you know, or your question, but the but the thing is, so where do you go with this? Wouldn't wouldn't we go to the Father? Yeah. Spirit show reveal what is this? What is this? The worst thing was for me is you know, like I was telling someone today, you know, oh foolish Galatians, why when you started the spirit, if you're now going to carry on and work out in the flesh, the best thing that happened to the Galatians was Paul telling them that. Because if he didn't, how are they going to know? Chris, what are you saying? It says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, just before going into chapter 3, it says, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And then the other side we've got here, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's the two, but it's your heart towards the others. Powerful. I want to go back. Um, if I may, to um, Lord. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not sure why this is stirring me so much. Um, I kind of lost it. Um, sorry. Um, so you sound like you're talking about a reality of knowing him as lo- your Lord and living from <clears throat> that posture. Um, I'm not looking for a formula can you unpack that? Yep. Um, it's in relation to the true work of the gospel. So I've been thinking about this. Actually, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I'm starting to do a write, writing on the power of God. And it's amazing just where the Holy Spirit's taking me to the scriptures that talk about the power of God. And the gospel itself, which is we're all dead, 
how do we become alive? Okay, and so there's this thing in the middle. There's a transaction point, and it's a powerful reality of a man that came and died who rose again because 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, just like I rose Jesus from, with power from being dead to life, I'm going to raise up dead people and their sin and iniquity to life. So the gospel we receive, the gospel we are receiving creates the life of lordship. Full stop. So the gospel we are we received, so 1997, received. I actually received Jesus Christ. I didn't receive a message. I received the messenger. Very different reality between the message and the messenger. So Paul said, "No one taught me." Okay? Paul said, "This gospel." Okay? And that's the challenge between the gospel in our minds of Jesus came, died, and rose again, and the person. And what the person did, because he said, I am the resurrection. He didn't describe, I died, I rose again. I am the resurrected life. Okay, So the gospel you received and the gospel you're receiving, meaning the word, gives you the ability to live this life and come under lordship. Because it's not me trying out of my own strength, to be under lordship. It's receiving Jesus Christ, the word of God, daily. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, otherwise you have no life in you. And that enables behavior, which brings me under lordship. So his word does all the work. So that's just, it's just receiving the word through hearing. Then the Holy Spirit, because I've been given the spirit, Power, and this is this reality of a church knowing power or not. You know, wait until this power comes on you from on high so you can actually, you're empowered to live a life. You're empowered into prayer. You're empowered into marinating my word. You're empowered to reach the lost. You're empowered to give. You're empowered to pray. You're empowered to fast. It empowers every physical behavioral thing he's asking. You're empowered to love. See, and I need the power, otherwise I'm trying to love in my strength. Well, that's not going to do any good. That's me still being dead. So the challenge is the gospel of words and then the mental articulation of, yeah, I believe that's true. You know, you're in a meeting. If you're here tonight and you believe Jesus died for your sin, that he died and rose again and he wants to give you life and life abundant, put up your hand, come forward, and you go, that's me. And that's right. But it's an intellectual belief in a reality that you actually believe. There's no power necessarily transacted between you and God. Okay, so Paul said, I wasn't taught the gospel, nor did I receive it from man. I received it from a revelation of Jesus Christ. The resurrected one revealed himself in my heart. So power came in from an outside source and went, and I got born again. And I'm now the recipient of power that came from on high and clothed me. 
So that's the gospel that the Thessalonians received in word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. The Bible says they turned around, dropped their idols, and started to serve a living God. Well, think about idols. You lose yourself and start living for someone else. You lose a f- spouse, child, you know, when I say lose them, you, they come out of your heart. So the thing you're living for, the thing that's dropped, gone, replaced, now repositioned to love differently, you know, because of the gospel. So it's, it's all to do with the gospel, meaning Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word, and what we're looking at, hearing, you know. So because you can't see it, because you can't see me, you've got to hear me, okay? So what's before that? Right, the sun has to come. Because you're all dead in iniquity and sin. You can't live out the commandment. And a power from the outside's got to come into you. Because you're dead. And, and this is the thing about, I'm, you know, like you talk to people and go, do you know how dead you were? <laughs> like you're dead. But you're still living. You're still breathing. So spiritually, you are dead man. You can't wake yourself up from when you're dead. Jesus couldn't wake himself up from being dead. Dead is dead. Right, well, that, that's pretty dark. Yep. So one, Colossians 1.13, Jesus came, comes into a kingdom of darkness and rescues us with power. It's not a mental decision. You can agree mentally, you're still justified, but internally you're the same. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your heart's not my heart. See, So when the power turns up, you deny it. Maintain a form of godliness. Brought up in a Christian home your whole life. Okay? I'll give you one example of it. Brought up with principles and truths. Is that right? Yeah, you're brought up in a Christian home. My kids. Doesn't mean they know God. Doesn't mean they're going to get saved. Doesn't mean anything. Because I can't, and this can't, do the work. The power of God does the work. Full stop. It's what takes me out of the equation. Okay? And so it takes all the pressure off me too. Okay? It takes all the worry off me because they're not mine, they're his. Can't save him, can't save myself. So this reality of all this, and you know, he, he, he tells us in um, 1 Corinthians 2.5, he says, make sure that your faith doesn't rest on the wisdom of man. So once again, what's that? Man's ability to try and bring himself into a reality without God's power. So let me study this in the Greek and the Jew, and I will have man's wisdom. Okay? Problem is, that doesn't enable me to live out a life of Christ, true wisdom, which is Jesus' wisdom, this demonstration of Jesus on earth, because I lack power. So then Paul comes along. He's a man of the revelation of Jesus Christ, stands in front of me and declares the word. I don't like that because I've built mine on man's wisdom. And I realize this power coming out of him, out of what he's saying, and the power is going to crucify my flesh that I've built my life on, on man's wisdom, not on the power of God. Are we tracking? So then I what? I deny the very thing that's come to save me because I realize it's coming to kill me. But actually it's going to kill me to bring me life. So take the sword and thrust it into your flesh that's still living, which is preventing you from actually living. 
And that's why when the power, see, this, it's all intertwined in itself. You know, everything we're talking about is intertwined to one position. Because when one turns up who is heavenly hearted and minded and lives from that place, because they're living in the eternal, even though they live on earth, and comes from that wall into here, okay, and starts to declare from a hidden realm what's there, it comes with power. That spirit, this is flesh, earthly temporal, okay? So when that turns up in an earthly and starts to speak, whoa, <laughs> what on earth are you going on about? And it's all because it's power coming to crucify the flesh. And you can go, not today, thanks. Not today. Why? Because we're back to this hardened heart that can't hear its good news. It hears it as, oh, did you hear what he's talking about? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's blasphemy. It's not even where And you've just sabotaged your own walk. Because it's power. It's not intellectualism. It can't fit in your brain. It's something outside of us that comes and goes, foom, foom, foom. Now live. Yes, Lord. Because you got arrested by a reality that literally grabbed you and took you. You know? So the gospel is it's not just, you know, it's not just this receiving as you know, it's it's so much bigger than that. But that gets you justified. That's a good start. That's where the disciples were. You know? Come follow me. They never clue who he was. They were against him. Torch these guys. See what I mean? It's like, what spirit are you of? Do you know that in Luke, in Luke where he says to James and John? You know, it's like, they, they literally say, because he's given them authority, hasn't he? Mm. I give you authority to cast out demons. Sweet ass. <laughs> Throw a bit of weight around. We've been the underdog for so long. Those Samaritans, we don't like them. Half-breeds, dogs. It smashed them. That's what happens when the flesh, you get an opportunity to... Ooh, here we go. Maybe me and this guy, you know. And they're like, we, we turn around to Joe and say, Joe, Joe. Yeah, like, should we? You know, they, they didn't let him because they weren't going to let him through, right, for the preparations, eh? Because they didn't like the Jew. So they, we turn around and say, Joe, should we torch them? And Joe's like, what? Should we torch them? Yes, this is right, isn't it? And he turns. He says, you do not know what spirit. You are of. Well, what's he talking about? The demonic fleshly spirit that was still in them, that they hadn't yet been because they hadn't yet received power that was going to do a work because they were still full of themselves. Are we one or two? Let's be one or two, bro. We're going to be the top, you know? That's right. So this is a reality today. So they needed power to come in and sever that because right there, they're walking with him. They're the tight three, for crying out loud. And he says, guys, I didn't come to what? What does he say? Didn't come to destroy mankind. I came to save mankind. What are we doing? What spirit is manifesting out of you? Because it's certainly not mine. (laughs) It's crazy. It's an interesting looking version of Christ, that one. It wasn't even, you don't know what spirit I'm from. You don't even know you, what spirit you're operating from. 
And, and it's like, yeah, oh my gosh, how dead am I? And need that revelation to actually come to life. Would you say, though, that if we have the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to tra- transact with that word? So even if we're not in that full gospel, if we don't see all of that, if we receive that word as it's declared or read, it's the Holy Spirit that transacts within us. Just, I'm, I'm not understanding fully what you're asking me. Yep. So the, um, don't even know if I'm fully understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Got this half thought. <laughs> Happens to me quite a lot these days. So the, this discussion about the, the power of the gospel to raise us from death to life and this sense or reality probably for a lot of us that that wasn't a one-off transaction but we do know the moment when we went from kingdom of darkness to kingdom of life and received the person of Jesus that it is the person of Jesus living in us that brings that work to fullness through the Holy Spirit yes and you can still I mean you can still manifest like that with Jesus living in you yeah because your flesh is greater than the spiritual life in you. Flesh is willing, spirit's weak. You know? But it's not to, we're not to then, if that's true, we don't grasp for another thing. <laughs> that's right. Because I think that's often what we do is we hear this kind of thing and we go, I'm lacking something because I'm not in that. But actually it's about believing what he says and that the spirit within us will do what he says it will do. Okay. Believing what he says... Because you hear what he says and don't write off what he says because you don't necessarily have received it and think it's right. It's back to hearing again. Would you say that 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 transaction sometimes is a form of hearing because your flesh will want to do something and your flesh is really loud sometimes? But then the Holy Spirit or the person of Jesus, not quite sure which I'm still trying to get that, is somewhere under all of that loud flesh going, mm, no. And you know, and you can choose to let the flesh be louder. Yep. Or you can go, hang on, no, flesh, get behind me. <laughs> yep. And then the voice gets louder. And so that's a form of hearing, would you say? Totally. And that's spiritual warfare, right? Uh-huh. In your own life between spirit and flesh going on and so the goal is to have the spirit increase through revelation so it's like, it's like I think food is God uses food as a great example to help us get the physical to the spiritual you know so when you eat food you feel full okay you're able to do what you can't do when you're not full you know you can feel weak okay so just flip that spiritually the more you eat and drink of him the more you will live like him and as him. So the flesh dies down. You're in a process that you'll you know, be perfect, like my Heavenly Father's perfect, so you're never going to have flesh eradicated until you get your glorified state. But how much of the spirit do you want within you? Mm. Go for 99.99999, and you'll walk in the manner in which Jesus walks. So innately, it's never even a flesh issue anymore. Yeah. Spirit just comes out of you. If I whack you, you love me. I whack you, you love me. I whack you. Why are you loving me when I'm whacking you? And you love me to... <laughs> That's right. Um, and you love me to death. The death of my flesh. And I break. See? And I can't handle why you're loving me when it's... Why are you loving on this behavior? 
and then I snap. And then I receive the love, and, and all of a sudden, and that's how I came into the kingdom. He loved me into submission. You, you, you love a man when he's against you, it, it smashes you. How can you? Okay, you know. Um, wasn't through fear, it was just through loving on. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah.